Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Coming at you live in the heart of Lincoln, America. I said, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakovin and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. Thanks for joining us here on a Tuesday. It is the Ticket Water Cooler on 93.7 The Ticket. And we are excited because there is football this weekend. Week zero, baby. And then, of course, next week you get into uh, kind of believing and just kind of pushing your way to get to Thursday, Nebraska and Minnesota. And, of course, Nebraska football, too, kind of waiting for this Friday. That's kind of when game week starts. Uh, and then uh, we might get a dev chart. We might get a, at least we're going to hear from Coach Matt Rule uh, and it uh, and ha- kind of have your weekly presser set up. So it's uh, it's it's coming this week. We're kind of getting to the swing of things. Yeah, well, uh, it's funny that we keep mentioning the depth chart and Matt Rule is like, I've never been asked this much about a depth chart, but it's uh, highly anticipated to see where I, I don't think I've been this excited for a depth chart in quite some time, mostly because there's a lot of positions still up in the air. Um, extremely interested to see. I mean, they already said there's going to be an or, but even then. It's kind of, with the backup quarterback, it's kind of whoever's listed second is the backup quarterback. I understand there's an or there, but whoever's number two right. on the depth chart, that's that's the number two. Um, interested to see how the wide receivers shake out. Um, offensive line, who's going to be starting where? Because, we're, you know, Teddy should be back here soon. But even then, if he gets a week of practice, are you going to throw him out there for Minnesota? Are you going to hold him out and, and wait to throw him out there for Colorado? Do you wait after your two power five opponents and throw him out there for um, Northern Illinois or who, who was Hold on. I have this <laughs> Louisiana tech. I, I always forget Louisiana tech for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, do you throw him out there for Northern Illinois? Do you hold on and throw him out there for Louisiana tech before the Michigan game? Like it, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do on the offensive line, the defensive side of things. Everything's up in the air, especially after losing miles farmer, um, seeing where they go with the safety position. A lot of guys are cross training at corner and safety. It's a very highly anticipated depth chart. Um, not only because it's a new regime and it's a new season, but just because there are so many positions that we don't know who the starter's going to be. Well, and it's just a new new set of eyes on some of the same players even can can make a difference as we're kind of seeing at running back. Looks like Gabe Irvin is going to get the start over Anthony Grant. Again, maybe with the previous staff, Grant got the got the nod there. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how all this plays out. And like you said, I mean, the depth chart, everybody wants to see it. I think it'll change quite a bit throughout the season. I think you know there's going to be a lot of those races, or, or maybe you have some of those oars on there, uh, and uh, and and you know somebody's going to kind of establish themselves. Some of the newer players, freshmen, uh, you know, the JUCO and Kai Wallen, or just the transfers. It might take a little bit to to get going, or you know, any player. It might you know halfway through your junior season, your sophomore season, you might hit a spark and, and have something turn on, and, and you start you know balling out. So uh, it's going to be fun to see this team. However, you know, as as Vershawn was kind going in the previous shows looking at uh, Lindy's or, or Athlon I can't remember which one it was and um, basically had the, the rankings out there um, for individual positions mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's why I find it very interesting and I've said this before and I think it to be the case in previous with previous teams uh, you know and not making bowl games over the last several years I, I always thought the talent was there to be a bowl team 
I think that there's I think that's more questionable than ever right now. And that's again not a shot against the current roster. There's just not a whole lot of guys that stand out, not a whole lot of guys that make that are making all these all Big Ten lists mm-hmm. or anything like that. Now is that just because the, a lot of the roster is new? Or is that just the Big Ten and the people who make these decisions actually looking at the roster this year and not just saying, oh, it's Nebraska, this person's at Nebraska, they should be good this season? Um, Which one of those do you think it is? Just the fact that there's a lot of new faces, new names on this roster, or just that that people are are not getting tired of, but just um, not just looking at somebody with a Nebraska jersey on and saying, yeah, this guy's going to be good. I do think Nebraska's lost the benefit of the doubt in that, uh, and, and that's probably earned by, you know, deserve it by now. Um, but, you know, I think it, I think it's the new thing along with you just didn't retain the guys that would be there. I mean, Garrett Nelson, if, if you bring him back, mm-hmm. Trey Palmer, if you bring him back, those are all conference-type guys. Um, hard to argue with Trey Palmer right now, but <laughs> I mean, Garrett Nelson might make the Dolphins, so, you know, maybe it was a good decision one way or the other. But If you um, keep Casey Thompson, is he – Closer to all Big Ten, like, is he? Is he like all Big Ten third team? <laughs> I don't know because he's one of the returning quarter, or or <laughs> yeah, one the, you know, with be one of the three, one of the three returners, or does Cade McNamara going from Michigan to Iowa still take that? I think probably Cade McNamara would still take it, and again, a part of that has to do with uh, are you winning? Uh, you know, in in Nebraska just hasn't won enough, but I I think too when you look at like this. It was kind of interesting because Joel Klatt had some comments. We can go over here in a second. Um, but among those, he was basically saying what I'm saying is that, well, he I mean, he called it a total rebuild for Nebraska. But he, he said that obviously they have uh, they might have been a worse team, you could argue, at the end of the Mike Riley era than they were at the end of Scott Frost era. But you could have a real culture issue, which I did not expect from Scott Frost. Now, hearing from uh, Bill Bush this morning, he says there's not a culture issue. So, I mean, you know, good kids on the team and stuff like that. So, but there is like when I when I when everybody I, always throws that culture word out there right. every time. That's it, just that's I feel like that's just a word that you can just throw out. Just like oh, things aren't going right. Bad culture. But the thing is too, like you don't they don't have a winning culture. And you no, they don't. And th- that might not be like okay, day to day they're not doing this thing or that thing. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they literally do not have a winning culture because they have not won since 2016. Mm-hmm. It's not within the locker room. You've got you have a few bulldogs, Georgia bulldogs that you brought in. Um, could they just bring the whole Georgia culture over? Probably yeah. not. Um, so it's it's you know, I I don't know. I wouldn't call it a complete rebuild. Um, but it is. I mean, it you you aren't. You're not starting from where you are when Bo Pelini was leaving. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like Frank Sewell just <laughs> leaving his excellent defense <laughs> around. They do have a lot, a long ways to go. The good news is, at least with the, the at least for now, uh, the teams that they've been playing, they've been close, and a lot of those teams win by playing just good, solid football. Don't get in their own way. Nebraska's mm-hmm. been that team that gets in its own way. You play mistake-free football. You you had again, you know, kind of kind of going back to what we were talking about with the talent issue, you had enough talent where if you played mistake-free or, you know, less mistake football, you're in all those games, even with all the mistakes you are making. So if you, you know, throw less interceptions, have one less fumble, don't uh, get a holding penalty after you get a first down on third and long, don't jump off sides in a, in a terrible situation, you you might win some of these games. If you don't make some... some um, and not a shot at anybody, but some of the dumb play calls that, that had been going on, maybe it's not the play calling, but just the way that it was executed. Um, some of those late in games, maybe you win some more games. So yeah, it's, it's the small things that the other teams do right. Nebraska had been doing wrong for so long. Yeah. And that was what was so weird about that Iowa game is Iowa was like, they're the program that's known for like, we'll, we'll punt at the 
thirty-five yard yeah. line. You yeah. know, <laughs> like we'll do it, we'll do everything we can um, to keep this a low-scoring game and somehow gut it out. We'll kick field goals down by three possessions to cut it to three yep. possessions. You know, just the same stuff. We'll get a pick at the end of the game to seal it because that's what we do. Yeah, but they just couldn't. I mean, they they had all those mistakes and all the turnovers and stuff mm-hmm. in the Nebraska game, which uh, you know very uncharacteristic. Very un- uncharacteristic of them um and but nebraska hopefully can kind of take that model but it, it's it's easier said than done i think that was kind of the idea with the mike riley hire was was bo pelini uh, you know he's got this program at a certain point it might be stuck where it's at mm-hmm. let's bring in a different coach might not even be a better coach but a different coach uh, to kind of push some b- different buttons and you saw what happened. That team went from you know a nine ten win team to losing to a Purdue to and Daryl Hazel yeah. <laughs> midway through the season, who didn't have any other Big Ten wins in like four years. I mean, yeah. it, it was terrible. Um, now by the end of the year, they were able to clean it up, and I do give uh, you know the Pelini teams and recruiting and stuff like that a lot of credit for that nine win team the next year. Um, but it's not as simple as just like oh we were close. Then nothing's going to change. We're gonna we're just going to keep it at that level and then build from there. Mm-hmm. That's very difficult to do. Yeah, it's 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 not the same as just getting a different set of eyes on whatever project you're working on and, and improving it from there. There's uh, a lot more things that are going to have to go into this team. And I mean, you've seen it with all of the departures, the transfers, the 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 people taking the uh, retirement pla- packages or whatever you want to call them um, on the team and and rule in this co- in this um, company rule <laughs> and and uh, his coaches bringing in all of these transfers um, fixing not fixing up but getting this recruiting class to whatever level they wanted to get it to getting some of the guys that they think will fit their program um, to a better level and and putting together a team that they think will be able to compete in the big ten it's they're not taking what Scott Frost had and just, you know, putting on a new coat of paint. They took it down to the to the nuts and bolts and and are trying to rebuild the Nebraska football car and and trying to see if it'll, you know, start up and run this season. That's that's what they're going for. Yeah, and, and it, it doesn't. It's not an easy start against Minnesota. Again, um, you know, it's it's kind of this this balancing act of preparing for Minnesota, very much respecting that program, but not. You know, building them up as if they're Alabama or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's a winnable game. Respect, not fear. Right. Yeah. And and so I mean, but it, it it's definitely going to be a difficult game, uh, and and hopefully one that Nebraska can edge out. Uh, Marcus Satterfield did hit the po- hit the podium today along with some other uh, players. I, I thought one of the interesting notes uh, that I got uh, lo- just looking around Twitter here. Uh, shout out to Steve Mark for tweeting this out. I uh, said uh, Satterfield's. Um, said the completion percentage goal for Jeff Sims is around 65%. said if you can hit that number, you generally have a good season throwing the ball. Uh, Mark did the, did the math. Sims' best completion percentage was 60% at Georgia Tech. So if you're kind of looking at the last several years, he was 50, around 59% last year, 60% in 2021. And uh, in, in the year that he played the most – in 2020, around 55%. They have talked a lot about him in, in developing as a passer. Mm-hmm. I, I, but, um, you know, that is a 65. So that's that's a tough mark to hit. Yeah, and to keep that percentage, to, to kind of build it up and keep that percentage, you would think there's going to be a decent amount of checkdowns, a decent amount of short routes to the tight ends, to the running backs coming out of the backfield, not a whole lot of of deep passes going down the field because those aren't high completion passes. So um, 
hopefully, and this is, maybe this is just me looking into it, hopefully that means that the tight ends are going to be used more than mm. what they've been. I mean, Travis Vokalek caught two touchdown passes for the Ravens in the preseason That's last right. night. <laughs> he had two touchdown catches in his three years at Nebraska. Granted, one of those was a redshirt year, but two years at Nebraska, two years at Rutgers. He had two touchdown catches um, at Rutgers, two touchdown catches at Nebraska in his four years, and he had two touchdown catches for the Ravens in last night's game. Yeah, it's preseason, but still. Yeah. Um, criminally underutilized tight ends is something that Nebraska knows all too well about when they go to the NFL and they have some type of success. So hopefully getting and keeping his completion percentage, that is Jeff Sims, at 65%, means that the tight ends and the running backs will be catching a lot more passes. And then, obviously, you're going to be taking those shots down the field. But that, and I know it's not terribly high, but that high of a completion percentage means that there's going to be some shorter passes mixed in with those uh, intermediate and and deeper pass routes. So that's something that I'm looking forward to with Jeff Sims and Satterfield. He also said um, that uh, they're running the ball really well, and the offensive line is one of the hardest-working and consistent groups on the offensive side of the ball. That's something that you really like to hear. Um, Even if it's just hardworking and consistent, you think that you can take that over and and have some sort of success once the season starts. Uh, They're working hard. They're they're being consistent in practice. And I know, you know, I have the same thought. Does that just mean that the defensive line isn't very good? Or does that mean that – I don't want to think about that. They're working hard. They're consistent. Hopefully it it translates to that Minnesota game. Now, I know – and you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the offensive linemen and and kind of a a big thought, I guess, around uh, Nebraska football – is this huge relief in Teddy Prohaska. You've had, I think, Dominic Riola. I don't remember if it was these airwaves, but I think he came on and, and said at some point, um, you know, it was very much thought that that's a future pro. And mm-hmm. so, there, you know, that type of uh, that type of compliment is something that, you know, it's hard to take away and hard to get out of your mind. But at the same time, we've had, you, you know, you've heard from Matt Rule who said he's he hasn't been the number one tackle since he's been here. Um, but I know there's a big part of the media, or not the media, the fan base, that's going to struggle really seeing too much more upside with this offensive line if you have Ben Hart and Corcoran starting at tackle again. Yeah, it's it's hard when you have the same two guys that have been on the, the bookends of your offensive line for the last few years, and it hasn't been a very solid offensive line. But at the same time, and I with all due respect, we've seen Teddy Prohaska in four, five games, and we keep anointing him as this savior at left tackle, this this NFL-type left tackle. Yeah, I, We saw him play really well against a Northwestern team that was garbage. Nebraska blew them out of the water, and the very next game, he gets his knee blown out against Minnesota or against Michigan. Sure, he was holding his own against uh, Aiden Hutchinson, who ended up being the number one overall draft pick that year for two and a half quarters, two and a quarter quarters. But even then, you know, he, he gets his knee blown out. That's hard to recover from as an offensive lineman, especially as a tackle, especially as a tackle who's six foot ten, almost seven <laughs> feet tall, when leverage is the name of the game. Yeah. He comes back the next season, um, plays a little bit, and then hurts his hurts his knee again. I don't remember if it was the same knee or the other knee, but hurts his knee again. Two serious season-ending knee injuries, and we're expecting him to come back and be a dominant left tackle. I think that's a lot to ask, first off, with the knee injuries, and second, off of a guy that we haven't seen a lot from. I'm not saying that he can't reach that level. I'm not saying that the coaches are wrong for believing in him and they've seen more than we've seen, but it's hard for me to buy into that 
when we haven't seen him do it for an extended period of time against a, against a solid defense. Yeah. Uh, Byron the Hog Farmer says, better system, Nuri's back, add Scott, it won't be worse. Um, I don't know if, if your goal is to not be worse than last year, you're still in for a, <laughs> for a rough Still not going to be. Yeah, you can be better and still not be good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, we'll kind of see how it – how it plays out, but uh, I agree with you. At this point, you know this is kind of just ultimate hope, and 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 bringing him up or or mentioning him Prohaska as like the savior. I, I I think he's back to kind of where a lot of these guys are. It's like you got to prove it now. You're back to kind of prove it mm-hmm. uh, mode, and and that's going to be the same for Nuri. I mean, I I think Nuri was probably the second best offensive lineman two years ago after Cam Jurgens, but a year off of football, um, you know, might might be might take some time to get back into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Ben Scott, you know, playing in a different league, you know, I, I know, I know he wants to play center cause that's where he sees himself at a shot at the NFL, but the big 10 is a little bit different than the PAC 12. So, Just you know, every, everybody's got a lot to prove. And then again, you know, uh, it, it looks like, you, you know, Latovsky might, might get the start. Probably Ethan Piper there. Oh, I think if Ethan Piper went to big 10 media days, you can pretty much pencil him in. Yeah. As, and, and as one of get, the guards. And, and <laughs> is, is likely to get one of the, uh, would have gotten, I should say one of the single digit numbers as well. Yeah. I just know Latovsky. They, they, they've they been, love Latovsky. They've been speaking well about him and well too. So maybe there's some depth there, but again, uh, just a lot to prove still from that offensive line. Uh, and, and we'll see. I mean, it, it's because they're asking a lot for it too. They're, they're basically asking, um, them to be the what they build the offense off of, which is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, systematically, that's how where you need to start. Um, but they don't have Trey Palmer speed to kind of bail them out if they just need. I mean, that was a lot of the offense last mm-hmm. year. <laughs> it was even if you don't have time, throw it up, trail run under it. Yeah, and he made. I mean, the, the Iowa game, the Purdue game. I mean, they're like defenses just couldn't stop him, and mm-hmm. he was the entire offense for what, for whatever reason. They kept single covering him with one yeah. corner. <laughs> And now putting a safety over the top, don't know why, but that's what they decided to do. And maybe, you know, with the uh, amount that they're talking about running the ball, and, and Satterfield said that they have been running the ball really well in practice, and again, don't 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 say, oh, well, they're running it because the defense sucks. I don't, we don't know yet. We'll see after Minnesota, probably, what uh, how this team's actually going to look. But they say that they're running the ball well. Um, if they're able to do that, that'll, you know, relieve some of the pass rush on Sims, relieve some of the pass rush on the offensive line. So maybe with that, you'll have some more time to, to get things going. And it's it's one of those things where if you're running well, they won't rush the passer as much. And then you start passing well, they start rushing the passer, you start running the ball. And it's one of those where you keep going back and forth or whatever you decide to do there with the offensive side of the ball. But the offensive line might might be able to have a little bit of a reprieve with how much and how good – depending on how it goes, Jeff Sims is able to run the ball if he's able to stay healthy also. Yeah. They talk about the quarterback run game a lot. You got to worry about the health of your quarterback, especially in a league like the Big Ten that's, that has all the, the big monsters who are going to be, you know, laying the wood on your quarterback. So we'll see how much he's involved in running the ball and if he's able to stay healthy throughout the season because in the ACC at Georgia Tech, he got injured a decent amount as well running the yeah. ball. So it's... It's gonna be really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot. That's, that's lot really of all it is. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why the depth chart's so interesting. That you know, the first game is we just don't know a whole lot about this team. I mean, it, 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 there's it, it's a different philosophy from last year. You know, Mark Whipple's offense just completely different idea, at least from what we've heard. Mm-hmm. Maybe Marcus Satterfield in this offense, uh, you know, goes a little bit different than what they've preached in all year. 
and maybe that's not their plan, but well, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to adjust to do uh, to try to get some wins. We'll kind of see. But like you, I think there's going to be a lot of dependency on Jeff Sims and the run game. If they can't get the traditional run game going, you know, amp that up quite a bit more. And then where's the drop off? to quarterback number two who they can't even decide on. I mean, I, I think there's... Well, they have a quarterback a who passes better and a quarterback who runs better. <laughs> right. That's not great. <laughs> and the quarterback who passes better hasn't been too impressive passing since we've seen him. Yeah. So. And he also runs pretty good. And he runs pretty good. <laughs> so it's got, it's a, it's just a lot. Um, and again, with this kind of total, totality of, you know, what kind of roster is, is Matt Rule inheriting... Um, again, just kind of borrowing from early break this morning, I thought it was interesting because they were saying, you know, as opposed to Joe Klatt's comments who says Matt Rule's going for a slow build, Dion's going for a fast build, you know, early break was saying, well, if, if Dion took over at Nebraska, he wouldn't need to cut everybody. You know, maybe he'd feel like there's a, there's a lot more to work with here, mm-hmm. and maybe that's where Matt Rule's picking up with. But it's, it's just a hard read because, again, to me, from, from just watching Nebraska football for a long time, this is about as difficult of a roster position that I've seen be taken over by these coaches, and the previous mm-hmm. coaches haven't been successful when they've done it. Yeah, yeah. You've got, like like you mentioned earlier, there's some talent, maybe not as much as um, Bo Pelini left Mike Riley or as Mike Riley left Scott Frost, but there's there's some talent on there. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see what Matt Rule and company is able to do with it. And we're pretty close to, once again, week zero this Saturday. Then, of course, next Thursday, Nebraska kicks off their season against Minnesota. We'll talk more about this uh, and a lot more college football headlines coming up next year on 93.7 The Ticket. This is the Ticket Water Cooler.